What's up, guys? Welcome to episode 33 of N1 Podcast. Today, I'm here with a special guest, Nore Habimana. He played at Laurier University. He played basketball at Laurier University for four years before his last season was canceled due to the coronavirus. During that last season, he ended up playing for the Rwanda national team, where he helped lead his team to some big upsets, including beating Angola, and they ended up having a pretty successful tournament. He now co-hosts a podcast called Life's a Shamble and will be playing for the REG in this BAL upcoming season. Nore, man, how are you doing? And I know that you, you're you waiting for your season to start. So, you know, what, what have you been doing to keep busy? Yeah, man. So I've been, I've been, uh, actually, first of all, thanks for having me, you know. Uh, I, I see what you're doing with this, uh, with this podcast and, uh, you, you got you got you got yourself a nice little thing going and uh as far as as far as uh what i've been doing since since i got here in september um man i just been working every day just working working on getting better while i was out there um talking to coaches talking to agents you know they just tell me what i got to work on and um considering this my off season um i just got to work on everything that um that that seems to be a weakness to me which is like to name a few maybe like my ball handle since I'm a tall point guard yeah um my uh, my size because playing in Africa is no joke man there's a there's a lot of big bodies there and it's 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 different basketball so yeah just to name a few man i just been working on those things and um waiting uh till January, January, I'll be, I'll be off this. Are you playing like what's happening for the national team? Because I know, I know the qualifiers are coming up soon. Is that something you're playing in? Yeah, of course. So um, we're we're in the uh, World Cup qualifiers. Yeah. And uh, the first leg is actually um, is actually in a week, a week from now. But um, Rwanda, we're not playing in the in the first leg. Uh, we're playing in the second leg, which is in um, February. So uh, right now, there's uh, half of the African teams that that qualified for the qualifier. Uh, they're actually playing um, in Angola next week, and uh, we we've yet to know where we're playing, but we'll be playing in February. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, firstly, I want I want to start like with your Laurier days. I I heard I heard you were a walk on. I'm not sure if that's true. Like, how, how did that end up, you know, happening, especially with you being, you know, a 6'5 point guard? That's yeah. something uh, every coach wants. So how did that end up, end up all happening? Yeah, as far as being a walk-on, like, I wouldn't say I was really a walk-on because, like, there's a difference between, like, for example, a traditional walk-on would be, um, let's say I I go to the school without thinking I'll be playing on the yeah. basketball team. Then I try out and uh, I make the team and go from there. But that wasn't the case for me. It was um, it was kind of uh, very unique how uh, my um, my lawyer career started. So uh, I was playing at Twenty Two Feet Academy in uh, South Carolina for my yeah. prep school year after I had graduated high school and. Uh, it was a it was a good year for me. Taught me a lot. Probably the best year 
of my life as in terms of um, basketball development. And um, yeah, I ended the season and I had a few D2 offers. I didn't have no D1 offers, but um, I had two D2 offers. I actually went on a visit um, to one of them in North Carolina. Um, damn, I'm forgetting the name of the school now. Uh, damn, I'm forgetting the name of school. But uh, yeah, I went on a visit there with my dad. And um, yeah, I was ready to commit. I liked the school. I liked the uh, the campus. I liked the coaching staff. So I was ready to commit. But um, for some reason, my transcripts didn't, didn't get sent in in time. And uh, I really had to go with a plan B. I had to think quickly. I was, I was working a full-time job that summer. And I remember getting the message from um, my prep school coach that uh, I'm, I'm, I was unable to uh, to uh, join a team in uh, North Carolina. So I had to think quickly. And um, I knew that uh, U Sports was actually a great organization, not organization, but league. And um, yeah, so I contacted one of my closest friends who was playing at Laurie at the time, Sid Davis. And uh, yeah, he told me he told me a little bit about the program. He told me um, that they just had got a new coach. Justin Ceres. Yeah. So uh yeah, I told I told him to contact coach and this is probably like maybe um July. So it's no no there's no practices, nothing. There's yeah. just players working out in the summer, you know. So coach had um contacted me, asked me to come to a um like a like a little individual workout. There wasn't yeah. too many people there. And uh yeah, like I, he see me play, and like from there, he's like, from the first practice, he's like, "Yo, yeah, you, you're 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 coming on the team." <laughs> I'm like, "All right, yeah." So this is like midsummer, so I wouldn't consider myself a really a walk on, yeah, yeah. but um, I I I wasn't recruited. They didn't recruit me. I had to uh, kind of put my foot out there. Yeah, so like, it was it wasn't exactly like um. My favorite artists, uh, J. Cole's experience, you know, like I wasn't, you didn't really have to, you were, you know, you, you were, you were there to play basketball. You knew you were going to make the team. So yeah. Was, yeah. Yeah. Ended up doing so it's a different, it's not really a walk on experience, but, uh, it sounds good when people say walk on. So I don't good. even, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Came from the trenches, walk on, went through yeah, all the adversity and how, how was it, you know, um, being, uh, being coached by by Justin it was great man it was it was great being coached by Justin um over the years ever since I was young I've always had um a lot of coaches that that were able to mentor me and kind of steer me in the right direction and um being with Justin for four or five years it taught me a lot man especially like with the work ethic and like just just how he carries himself being of being a new coach at the time like when i got, we first got there at the same time so yeah. he was learning as i was learning in different you know things of the game but we're all learning as we went and just to see how he he carried himself and how hard he worked every day uh it was i mean he still works hard you know you know justin yeah, yeah, yeah. so it's it's very motivating it's very motivating to say the least yeah, he's a, he's a hard worker. He's yeah, hard man. Worker. Yeah, he is. A lot. Of, I was a big fan of yours and the and the Rwanda national team. I was just wondering, like, when you when you were growing up, was did you know that that was something that you wanted to do in the future to play for the Rwanda national team? And when, like, when did the opportunity arise? 
Um, so growing up, I, I never really gave it any thought um, because you know you never really think like um, I never really thought kind of wider than what was actually in front of me. Yeah. So I would, as I would be in high school, I would be in prep school, as I would be in, in, in college, I would always be in the moment and not really think of the next step until it's in front of me. And uh, yeah, as far as national team goes, um, I was I was stuck in the house during COVID and um, I was trying to figure out, uh, figure out my next move. Uh, if I wanted to go um, to Laurier for another year, yeah. or if I wanted to um, kind of spread my wings and, and, and go elsewhere. So it was kind of a tough decision, but uh, I got the call at the perfect time. And oh, um, yeah, and uh, the president of, um, of, the, of the national team had called me and he, uh, he was actually referred to me from, uh, you know, JV, JV, JV Mukama. Uh, nah, nah, I don't know JV McCall. Yeah, so he's he's an ex Ryerson player. Um, he's yeah. he's he's a great player. He plays overseas right now, and yeah, um, he just put in a good word for me, and they they had called me. Oh, that's how they found out. Yes, yeah. So they had called me, and um, man, it was it was it was a very quick transition because they had um, qualifiers in uh, Afro basket qualifiers in Tunisia probably like three weeks. Yeah, probably like three weeks after they had called me, so. They're like, um, if you're willing to come, like, we'll we'll get you a ticket, like, in the next few days. So I'm like, all right. So I just packed my bag the same night, and I was probably out two, three days after. And yeah, went out there, and um, obviously they didn't, they didn't, they didn't know how I would be, how I would be playing because yeah. COVID and stuff. But yeah, I really made a statement the first time I went there. I wasn't really able to play a lot in the qualifiers, the first qualifiers that I had went to in Tunisia. But um, I was able to, to, to really soak in what was going on around me and uh, how to really take advantages, how to take advantage of um, my next time going there. So, yeah, that's, that's basically how the process started. I wanted to ask you about just because um, I heard so you're like you're one of the only athletes, not one of the only, but like you're, you're part of a small portion of athletes who could say, you know, they got to play during like you know the real depths of covid because i was like last january or february when like it was really it was really locked down and you know i heard some crazy stories about about the tunisia qualifiers about like you know the whole uganda covid situations and yeah and, like, all the stuff getting shut down like how was that experience and like you know did the team go through anything crazy or anything like that no so f for us personally um we didn't really go through nothing crazy because um, Rwanda is known for like being like very by the book. And as far as like COVID tests, we would take a COVID test every day. Uh, we actually flew on a, a private plane to Tunisia just because um, our president, like our country president got us a plane because he didn't, he didn't want us to be around people and maybe catch COVID. So yeah, like, the the country itself were really behind us and they took they took all the proper guidelines to um to make sure we were safe but as far as other team goes i think it was um cameroon that wasn't that weren't able to play because uh they had four players on the team catch covid and it's like it's unfortunate man because they're they're a good team but 
you can't really yeah. stop COVID, <laughs> man. So it's like while we were there, we I mean at the hotel at the hotel we 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 we, were, we all the teams were there. We even had like a tennis like there was like a tennis tournament going on there. So it's like we were in contact with a few play with a few people, but um, we were just in the hotel to the gym, in the hotel to the gym. So there's there wasn't really much room for mistakes. Was it like it wasn't like like how isolated were you? Were you just like in in your hotel room all day or? Yeah, like we would practice and then game practice game. So like you know you know how that goes. That takes up yeah. a lot of the, a lot of your time, and then between meals and stuff. So we didn't really have much time to do anything else anyway. So I'm not yeah. even tripping about that. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, it, it seems like it sucked though. Like not, not it, if you weren't playing. We, uh, it, it didn't suck because I knew that um, I was blessed to be able to play basketball oh, yeah. during that time, you know? It's because... also, you're, yeah, you're in Tunisia playing ball on TV. Well, exactly, everyone's yeah. at home. Yeah, and we were, actually, we were actually able to play Morocco and in the as a friendly game before before the actual qualifiers yeah we played morocco egypt and i think that's it yeah damn so i'm yeah. guessing i'm guessing you couldn't guard larici <laughs> no you see when when we played morocco we were doing like uh, we were playing like 5 minute shifts on and off so oh. like we weren't really able to to do anything crazy but we still beat morocco though don't get it twisted so we're coming back, man. You're coming. You don't like, I, I think the problem is like with the federation. Like for example, for with you, like, the president, the president, like, you play at Laurier, which is like pretty good. And the president, like, you know, within days, just emailed you and said, "Here's your ticket. You can come whenever you want." But like, yo, we just had like a guy who was born in Casablanca, seven foot. He can shoot. He can dribble. And he's he just committed to Florida State, and he's reaching out to the federation, and they're not even answering. I just don't like. Wow. I don't understand like that. That's strange. Yeah. Yeah. What's going on? It's, yeah, that's also one thing I learned going going out there to Africa and playing with the national team. It's your team is only as good as uh as the organization, like the federation. So yeah. when you look at the top teams like Tunisia, um, Senegal. Those teams, they always have a strong federation and they always take care of their players yeah. um, no matter what. And, uh, like, for example, Congo Congo has one of the worst federations um, in terms of just the way they take care of their players. Like, I, I know Michael Bongo, who was supposed to play for Congo in the Afro basket, actually opted out last minute just because he saw how they were taking care of their players mm -hmm. and the hotels that they would stay in. So... It really, it's really depends on how good your federation is and how your federation takes care of the players. Because if the players aren't happy, then you're not going to really go anywhere. Yeah, so it's a whole big thing, even if money. Like, I don't know if you yeah, think, like, like for Cameroon, sure. Cameroon, Cameroon could have like one of the top five teams in the world if they had the. Because I think, I think the way it works is I don't know why it's like this for basketball, not and not soccer, but you have to like pay insurance for their whole contract. So, like, Cameroon doesn't really have the money like that to just be tossing out, like, 400 mil on Joel Embiid and yeah. Pascal Siakam. And, like, if they get injured, then they're going to have to pay that money. So, yeah, there's a lot of, 
There's a lot. Yeah, of but politics. see, they could, they could definitely have that money, but uh, like you said, it's tangled into politics. So, yeah. in in order to get that that um that that money, you're gonna have to be endorsed by uh by the government of of your of your country. So yeah, it's all tied into politics. If the government doesn't want your basketball team to do good, then it's not gonna happen. Another example: Uganda, Uganda for Afro oh, Basket Great Federation. Yeah, they weren't they weren't supposed to um come play because they 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 had a lack of funding. But um last minute the uh the Ugandan president or something actually funded funded the whole trip and they were able to come. So like it all depends on just the your your country, the country backing you. Is it like Uganda went next level with it like they have G League coach who's gonna he's probably gonna be coaching in the NBA the next ten years. They have Mike Schmitz from ESPN as their head scout, like one of the best yeah. scouts in the world. This guy just recruits Ishmael Wainwright last second. Next thing you know, he's in the NBA. Like, yeah, they, man, they got their shit together. Yeah, man, it's it's crazy because like to to see him go from Afro Basket literally from Afro Basket yeah. straight to Toronto, it, it, it's 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 a sight to see because that just shows how. You can kind of make make your way elsewhere. Like you don't have to go to the G League, you don't have to go to um, to to Europe. I mean, you you can go to Europe, but um, there's also like play, people like Masai Ujiri who who find players in Africa that uh, that are that are good. Like I was talking to um to one of the African, the local African players on my team, and he's probably one of the best players on the team, but. He was telling me that he does he can't really get um the looks as some players that aren't even as good as him because just because of where he's from yeah. and uh that that's obviously starting to get better but a lot of local players in Africa they just they they might be talented but the looks aren't there so people like Masai Ujiri that are helping forward forward that yeah. movement that's that's amazing it's it's getting better in youth sports too like a big big moment like Caleb Agata almost making it or like he could have made it I think he could have got a two-way at least so that that was pretty yeah. fun to watch and yeah so, exactly like, how how was your first Afro basket you know especially especially with it being in Rwanda I remember I watched I watched the game you guys played against Congo and the, the energy was just insane and I wasn't even there like I was just watching yeah, it on TV. yeah so my first Afro basket was a great experience just not only because of the way we played, but just being home, being the home team during the, the Afro basket. And this is really the first time where uh, fans are actually allowed to come to these games since since COVID, right? Yeah. So it's just it was just a breath of fresh air, man, seeing 5,000 plus people in the crowd just cheering you on. And it was just, overall, it was just a great experience, man. Like I remember against Cape Verde, we were down maybe 20, in the third quarter and uh we did lose that game but we came back and it was a three-point game with with yeah. a few minutes left that's just off of us feeding off of the crowd and that's something that we couldn't do if, if there was nobody in the stands so the the crowd really helped us a lot and uh being a home team was uh was a blessing for us but as far as me personally i feel like i did i, I did what i was supposed to do um i came in impacted the game and uh came out yeah so that's yeah, uh that's all you can really do right that's what i was gonna say because like when i watched you in the qualifiers i like 
correct me if I'm wrong, but for the most part, like you just get a couple minutes at the end of the game. That's all you really got. And then mm-hmm. first game against Congo, you get put in at like I think it was the end of the second quarter, and you just, you know, you just forced your way into the lineup. Like, how, yeah, like, man. you know, how did that come to be in the practices leading up? And then also like, what advice would you give to just hoopers out there in general who are in the same situation? Because I know there's a lot of them. Man, so that first Afro basket, the qualifiers that I went to, it was it was really humbling for me because I thought. I thought I had what it took to, you know, play at the next level. Yeah. Um, but going there, playing, but not playing as much as I wanted to or playing during garbage minutes, all of that, it really showed me, like, what I was missing, right? So the whole time during that first qualifier to the Afro basket, which was maybe, I don't know, maybe five, six months, um, I just put my head down and just worked on worked on things that that I know would help me well, once I got to Afro basket. So, once I got to Afro basket, man, I just I just told myself this is what I really been working for and if you really the the advice I'd really give to anybody is like if you really you only believe yourself if 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 you really work for it, right? So, you you can't you won't have any doubt if if every day you're in the gym, every day you're working out and then the time comes, you wouldn't have any doubt. So if you just keep working, you should never doubt yourself. So that's 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 what I did when I went out there, and uh, I was able to uh, to perform at a high level. And uh, in practice, well, every time we practiced, I was, you know, I was I was trying to force force my way into the lineup because you're not just given that. So yeah. even like to make the to make the final twelve was. Um, was even hard because I was going there. There's 20 people trying to make a 12 man roster. Oh, and um, yeah, we were there for about a, a three months and we went to, um, we went to Senegal before Afro basket for just a few friendly games. Yeah. And um, I was starting, they had started me in a few uh, friendly games, but then um, I got pushed to the bench and then me looking at the roster, I'm looking at, one, two, three, four. I'm looking at four, five point guards on the yeah. on the um, counting me on the uh, twenty man roster. So I'm like, okay, so we're only gonna get, we're only gonna keep maybe two, three point guards. So I just gotta work. I gotta keep working. I gotta show them why, why I'm better than the next guy, right? So every day, every day, you just gotta prove, prove not to not not to them, but to yourself why you're better than yeah. than the next guy. So. It was it was a long process, but it ended up working out, and uh, hopefully, I'm able to play with this national team for more years to come. Yeah, and I just remember because I remember, I remember I'd see you weren't playing that much because I knew I used to come to most of the like the Laurier games, like like um, the season before COVID, so your last season. Yeah. Like, oh, Norris pretty good, and then I saw you come in, then you you drove, you hit him with that 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 uh fadeaway that. That Justin taught you. I know it's hype. And what like what's the difference like you know playing in an Afro basket compared to to U Sports? Because I don't know if I think about Laurier like like Ben Stevens is one of the best bigs in the country, and and one of like the biggest bigs in the country, and he's like like six nine. I don't yeah. Know how much he weighs, and then when you when you're in Afro basket and you I don't know say you play a team like Egypt, 
you know, they had, they're going to have like two seven foot bigs on the court at all time. And they, they yeah, what really, what trials. really, um, what really showed me that, that difference was um, when I said we went to Senegal and we played Senegal and their team from the, from the two to the five position, everybody was over six, eight. So I was, I was just like, this is that this is not the same basketball that I'm used to because you sports yeah for me for me you sports is like if you see a seven foot big man you'd be like okay he's one of the he has to be one of the best in yeah. in you sports just because just off of his height but in 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 Africa it's completely different man it's like if you're not a big man and you, and if if you're not a big man and you're under six ten, then you have to be super skilled. So yeah. it's like, it's it's a crazy different dynamic. But um, I would say there's a lot of skill in the youth sports. I wouldn't say more skill than um, than Afro basket, but uh, youth sports they make up for their height with their skill. Yeah, like, and they they still are. It still is a school. It still is school sports. Like they're not. Yeah, exactly. They're not mostly pros. And I, I know you mean like. I'm just trying to think like Morocco. They'll run like, Morocco runs like three bigs, and it's not even like, not even like three bigs like, like a like stretch fours. Just like mm-hmm. three bigs. Just like, just African play style. Just classic. crashing the boards. Yeah, crashing the boards like crazy. Yeah. Up. Yeah, our our second Afro basket game against Angola, um, I I was guarding maybe like a like a six eight six eight shooting guard, and he he kept he kept getting rebounds after rebounds, and it just got to the point where I'm just like, yo, I'm not even gonna go after no rebounds. I'm just gonna box this guy out yeah. because teams like that they just they just really rely on their second chance points. Literally, yeah. So so um. So I, last thing I wanted to ask you was, you know, how like how, how much are you looking forward to finally get a chance to play in the BAL this upcoming season, especially, you know, after the whole uh, J. Cole situation and whatnot, you know, getting yeah. so close and not really being able to, to end up playing, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so with that J. Cole situation, I mean, it was, like, at first, I, of, of course, I was mad, but then over time, like, I understood like why the the, 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 yeah. the decision was made, but uh, as far as this this upcoming season, it's uh, I'm I'm very excited because I've been I've all, I've played national team twice already, but I have I've yet to play on a pro basketball team. So just just to be able to to be to be a part of that club and to uh, to take to take this team to uh, to the next level is something I'm looking forward to, man. Yeah, that's great. Um, yeah, good luck, except for when you're playing Sally. Bad luck then. You're gonna get smoked. But uh, yeah. So I'm asked the last question we always ask. We ask it to every single one of our guests. It's What's pretty. Up? It's pretty simple. You know, why do you wake up every morning and just do what you do? Why are you? Why do you play pro basketball? Oh, that's a simple question. Now that's a deep question, bro. It's a simple one, but it's a deep one. That's a good question, though. Um, why I do what I do? Um, well, now it's different. My why kind of changed, you know, uh, after 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 university because in university, you just want to play good. 
you just want to um you just want to win you just want to do that right but now your why changes when you play pro because because then money's involved and uh when money's involved then it's a different kind of why so so now i'd say i play ball i play ball to provide and and yeah that's it just to provide yeah man because i mean obviously i love the game of course i mean i wouldn't be in it if i didn't love the game but um now it's like uh it's a business now so what what the j cole situation actually taught me like this is a real business that that i'm in right now so yeah just you just gotta yeah you i play ball to provide man just provide for myself to provide for people around me once i get bigger opportunities to be able to provide for my community you know just go from there makes sense and i hope i hope you will do much more providing for the rest of your career (laughs) career uh last 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 question is you or j cole in a 1v1 that's what i want to know oh i'm smoking you're smoking him i'm smoking him if we're playing up to 11 i'll probably win like 11 to 1 i'll give him one basket (laughs) but that's only because nobody could beat me one-on-one but who's nobody like anyone nobody in the world world. no one in the world nah Ali so. Nah, come on. He'll tell you he'll tell you right now, if you call him right now, he'll tell you I'll smoke I wouldn't smoke him one on one, but I'll be him. Shadir? Shadir, yeah. Nah, I'll smoke Shadir one on one. Shooting contest, he'll smoke yeah. me, but one on one. I mean um, Laurier Laurier, I, I got the I got the championship. Yeah, that's what I, that's what I was gonna say. Um I, I know you'd smoke Shadir because I smoke Shadir too. And that's where we're gonna end the episode. <laughs> All right, yeah, we'll end it at that.